it probably wouldn't be surprising to you to have the boss say to you, come to my office. Maybe some of you would be surprised that you have to go to the boss's office, but what you wouldn't be surprised about is what? The boss wants you to come to them. I mean, we expect that, right? We, don't, we expect that the boss has the people come to them rather than the boss, what? Going to the assistant's office. It's kind of like when you're a parent at home, what do you expect? Fill my soda cup. This is the way it works, right? You're in the recliner. I was going to use the husband line, but then I thought that could be a lot of, that, that could cause all sorts of issues for a long period of time. We expect the boss to say, come to me. Because what? They're the one in a position of authority. Well, for very simplistic terms, God is the boss. God is the creator of the whole universe. The scriptures tell us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everyone and everything. It wouldn't be surprising at all for God to say what? Come to me. You come to me. But at Christmas, we actually celebrate the exact opposite. That God doesn't say, come to me. God says, go to his son. What we celebrate at Christmas is a missionary God. The force behind Christmas is the fact that we have a God who wants to send, not demand that one comes. We would not have Christmas this next week if we did not have a sending God. We have Christmas because God has chosen to send himself to us, not have us come to him. Every time that human beings have tried by their own effort to go to God, God has destroyed it. It started with the Tower of Babel. Maybe you're familiar with this Old Testament story. Very simply, it's a story of a bunch of people coming together, trying to build something so that they can get up to heaven and have access to God. What does God do? Not so fast. You can't come to me. Destroys it and then disperses everyone. The beauty of Christmas is that God has chosen to come to us. And it's the only hope we have that God is a missionary God. Today we celebrate Jesus' words in John chapter 17 where he says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus recognizes it. He says it. He says, I'm sent. Jesus was told by God the Father, go. It's in God's heart to send, to send his people to other people. Why? The most famous Bible verse of all time, John 3, 16 for God so loved the world, not Israel, not one small ethnic group. God loved the world. Why did God send His Son, Jesus Christ? It's the glory of Israel, but it's the hope of nations. You read all of the prophecies. We read one this morning in Isaiah chapter 11. You read more. They all talk about the Messiah coming is the glory of Israel, which means this. It's the magnificent moment in Israel's time. It's going to be their moment of greatness. Why is it going to be their moment of greatness? Turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 12. Go back to the very beginning of why God created this people group. Genesis chapter 12. 
Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. This is the very beginning of God starting the nation of Israel. He says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Israel's greatest moment is when? When all the families of the earth are blessed. Why was Israel blessed? It says right there, so that you will be a blessing. The nation of Israel was created not for itself, but the nation of Israel was created to be a missionary. Because Israel was supposed to bring the blessings of their God to all creation. And then at one point in history, when their Messiah came, what would happen? All peoples around the whole earth would be blessed through their Messiah, Jesus the Christ. The Christmas moment when Jesus comes is the glory of Israel, but it is the hope of the world. At Christmas, we celebrate that God said to his son, Go! We have a missionary God who's in the sending business. And we can't lose sight of the importance of Jesus not just being for the Jews, but Jesus being for all nations. We tell the story, and we'll probably celebrate this next week, of the Magi. Everybody's got it at their manger scene, three wise men, three kings, whatever you want to call them, astrologers. You know, why is it such a big deal? Why do we make such a big deal about that? It's because it's fulfilling the prophecy in the Old Testament that what? Others besides Jewish kings are going to come and bow at the feet of Jesus. It's the start of something special. It's the start of God saying, we're going to the whole world. The whole world is mine. Christmas is amazing. Before Christmas, the first Christmas, before that, God interacted with who? One people group, the nation Israel. When people came to Israel, they'd say, who's this God of Israel? God was interacting with one people group, building that people group up, using them then to bring the Savior of the world, Jesus the Messiah. Christmas was the change point. You could say that Christmas was the first ever mission trip. And the missionary was God himself. The first ever mission trip was Jesus Christ at the first Christmas, and the message of the first mission trip was what? The missionary himself. Jesus was sent, and now what does he say about his followers in John chapter 17? He says, as I've been sent, so I send my followers. Our DNA is directly linked to the DNA of our master. And our master's DNA is a going DNA. It is not a come and see DNA. It is a go and do DNA. Jesus Christ was on the move. And then what does he say to his followers? I send you. When Jesus ascends, the 12 apostles are left. What do they do? They don't rebuild the temple. They do not build a massive church in Jerusalem. They disperse. And they are on the move. And Christianity begins to spread like wildfire. Because what? Their master is a go guy. Is a let's move, send, go to other places. Jesus is in the sending business, therefore his followers must be in the sending business. To be a Christian is to be a goer. To be a Christian is to be one who is sent. It's part of our DNA. In John 17, Jesus is praying, hey, 
I want my followers to go. He also is praying something else at the exact same time. And now here's where it gets really interesting and sometimes can feel a little tension. Jesus says, I'm sending them, but at the same time, he's also praying for a tethering. How many of you have ever ridden in a hot air balloon? Got a couple. How many of you want to ride in a hot air balloon? We're not giving away those trips today. I've never understood the concept of a hot air balloon. What's the point? I mean, if you're going to put me in a hot air balloon, you better have it tied to a rope and that rope tied to something really secure on the ground. I want to be tethered to something. I'm not going to be riding in a basket thousands of feet in the air. I'm willing to go, but I need to be tethered. The life of a Christian is one of going, but it's also one of being grounded. Maybe the image that we can have for our church is a hot air balloon on a rope going away, but tethered to something. Because what does Jesus want his followers to be tethered to? Look with me in John 17. He gets right to it in these same sentences. This is Jesus praying. This is what he wants. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctified just means set apart. In other words, that, that what makes a person different, according to Jesus, is what? The truth. So Jesus very simply wants us what? Grounded in truth. Jesus is saying, hey, there is objective truth. There is something that's true at all times and in all places. I want my followers to be grounded in that truth. As followers of Jesus Christ, we don't just go wherever the wind blows. I know that's popular right now. I, I mean, well, even our own kids. Our own kids are changing our belief systems. Our own kids start to believe something, so what do we do? We adjust ours to be like theirs. No, no, no. There's a truth that we are grounded to. That truth is found in the Word. And it's found in the Word because this Word makes Jesus known to us. We don't just go in the wind whenever there's something popular. We're like, yeah, that's a good idea. No. Sometimes we have to say that's a bad idea because we're grounded to truth. At the same time as we're grounded to truth, what do we do? We go. So often what happens is this. Is we get grounded to truth and we think, whew, I can't go because if I go, I might have to negotiate a little bit. I might have to give up some of the truth. Or what do we? I don't want to go because I've got to protect the truth. No, no, you can go all the time without being negotiable on the truth. It has to be 100% both. Grounded and going. This is the life of a Christian. This is a church. A church has to be grounded and a church has to be going. If you're do, not doing one of them, you're not a church. If you're just grounded, you're a country club. And if you're just going, you're a Tijuana's club. Nothing wrong with either one at all. But it's not what we are. We're a church. We're grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ. But we're also going in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're grounded in God's Word, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go. Because what does God's Word say? Go! So to say you're grounded in God's Word and not go... You're not really grounded. 
It's both, 100% both. This is the Christian life. This morning, this last week, the next month, I believe, is an opportunity. An opportunity to re-energize ourselves. An opportunity to get back to the basics. To get back to what we were started for. King of Glory was started out of chaos. Let's be honest. King of Glory was started out of emotional chaos. A hurting group of people that wanted to stay together. That's the reality. But there were two things, at least one for sure, I think both of them I can say with 100% confidence, that were true to us from the beginning. The first is this. We wanted to be grounded in God's Word. We started so that we'd have a place that looked first and foremost to the Scriptures. We were not going to negotiate on the Bible being preached, the Bible being taught. No matter what the outcome, no matter what the consequences, we were going to stay grounded in truth. That's why we were started. That's why we exist to proclaim the truth of God's Word. At the exact same time, at the exact same time, we started though, and the heart of the vast majority of people has been this let's do something. Let's go. The heart of the people has not been, hey, let's bring them. Let's have people come and look at something nice that we have. It's been go and do to be something different. We know we didn't need another nice cathedral in town. Nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing at all wrong with it at all. But we knew that's not us. It's not who we are. We want to be grounded and we want to go. We have an opportunity right now to return to our roots. Not only to return to our roots, but to refine it and to become it like we've never been it before. To be grounded in the Word of God and to go like we've never gone before. Will we go? There's a lot of details to be worked out. How you go, where you go, when you go. There's a lot of details to be worked out in the grounding. When you teach, how you teach, da-da-da-da. But those two are non-negotiable. They're non-negotiable because they're non-negotiable in here. So for the next month, we've got an opportunity to hold strong and to say, we're grounded and we're going. When you think of Christmas, what image comes into your mind? Most people, it might be a fireplace. It might be stockings. It might be snow or it might be a certain sledding hill that you went to at Christmas time. It might be a, a dining room table with certain people around it. It might be candles and everybody singing Silent Night. I, I don't know what image comes into your mind when you think of Christmas. When I, when I think of Christmas, the image that comes into my mind is, is sitting in front of a big picture window on a chair and just looking out that big picture window waiting for Grandma and Grandpa to come. When we were in elementary school, we had a big picture window and we had a chair right in front of it. I remember just clearly right here in Sioux Falls, just sitting in that chair, waiting for Grandma and Grandpa to pull up in the driveway. All this anxiety. When are they going to be here? Are they here yet? When are they coming? Just this longing, and the longing was what? To see Grandma and Grandpa. And you had the ability to sit in the chair because what? You knew they were coming because they had come before. I believe that the appropriate image of Christmas is someone sitting and longing, but then at the exact same time, someone coming to that longing heart and that longing mind. Today, here in Sioux Falls, there's longing hearts 
and there's longing minds. They may not be saying it, I'm waiting for Jesus to come. They're probably saying, I'm looking for satisfaction. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for joy. There's longing hearts in Mongolia today saying, man, this idol that I have here isn't bringing rain for me. What am I going to do? There's longing hearts sitting in an orphanage saying, is someone going to love me? Is someone going to care for me? The beauty of Christmas is that we celebrate that that longing has been met because Jesus has come, because we have a missionary God who sent his son, Jesus Christ. The question is, will each of us continue to celebrate Christmas by being people who are grounded in truth and being people who are going because we serve a God who goes? Where will you go this next year? Will you go to your neighbor? Will you go to your coworker? Will you go to Terry Redland? Will you go to Jamaica? Will you go to Liberia? Will you go to Mongolia? Where will you go this next year? We should be willing to go anywhere, for God has gone everywhere before us and has come directly for us as individuals. This morning, as you wrestle with the question of going, there's one other question you have to wrestle with first. Are you grounded? Are you grounded in Jesus Christ? Did you know that when Jesus came in that manger, he came for you? When that verse says, all nations inquire, the general truth is this, God comes for the whole world. But guess what that means? That means God came for you. In John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the whole world, that truth means what? God came for you. The first thing is this, get grounded in Jesus. Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants you to know him. Jesus wants you to be grounded in him. So maybe the first step this Christmas is saying, Jesus, you are my Savior, for I know you have come for me. You cannot get your way to God. God does not allow it because God comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God that we can be grounded in God's word. And thanks be to God that we can go because we have a God who goes. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks this morning for your spirit that has come and motivated and moved among us. God, this morning I pray now for receptive hearts. I pray that each of our hearts would be receptive to Jesus. I pray now, Lord, that you'd give each of us the ability to profess faith in him as our Savior. I also pray, O Lord, now for receptive hearts to your message of go. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each heart here, give them direction on where you'd have them go, and give us as a church direction on where we should go. God, we ask and we plead with you. Keep us grounded in you. In Jesus' name, amen.